Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. About 15 years ago, I served on a jury for a criminal case. I tried to get off of it. I tried to get out of it. Uh, it didn't work. I was selected to be on that jury. Uh, to be on that jury, it paid $9 a day, and that was more than I was making farming, so Carrie was glad that I was on the jury. Um, but it actually turned out to be a very interesting experience. For two and a half days, there was a prosecutor, and, and he was uh, meticulously trying to build his case. And I got to sit there, and I got to witness that. Uh, he introduced witnesses, and then he built up and confirmed those witnesses. He introduced evidence, and then he built up and he confirmed that evidence. And, and he brought out all that he could. I thought it might have been overkill, but he, he brought out all of these pieces, and piece by piece, he was placing the evidence. He was stacking the evidence, and he was building the case. Well, in the end, he made his case. He won, and the guy was convicted. Well, tonight in John's gospel, we join in as he builds the case for Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the Savior from God. And that's really what he's doing here in this gospel. It's why he writes it. He is building the case for Jesus, the Nazarene, as the Messiah, the Savior from God. And just like that process, he is in the process of assembling the pieces, of stacking the evidence and building his case. Well, tonight, John the Apostle brings in the testimony of John the Baptist, the testifier, building his case for people to believe in Jesus. Now, I want to say that again. I've been saying it. I want to repeat it again tonight. Remember, his goal is that people would respond in faith. That is the goal of the gospel. That's his goal in writing it that they would believe, that it wouldn't be just the passing on of information. It wouldn't just be in hearing, but it would be that in hearing they would receive Jesus in faith. And that is the goal of the gospel of John. That is the end to which he is working. Well, tonight our message is entitled, Court is in Session. Court is in Session. We're in John chapter 1, moving right along, verses 19 through 28. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. I'm going to ask that you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 1, the court is in session, beginning here in the 19th verse. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Then they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as Isaiah the prophet said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, Why then are you baptizing, 
if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we are thankful for this night. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ that we can come and exalt you together. I pray our, our voices, our praise is louder together than it would be apart. Lord, I pray as we begin to study your word tonight, I know it is not a normal thing. I know that. I, I believe it's a supernatural thing. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally speak tonight. I pray that it would be convicting if it needs to be. I pray that it would be powerful. I pray that it would be clear. And I pray the end result is that you would be known and that you'd be glorified. Lord, help us as we go into this time. Give us wisdom. Give us ears to hear. And most of all, again, we pray that you're glorified. Lord, I pray in the hearing of this message tonight, whether in this room or the many places it goes outside of this room, I pray if there is one that does not know you tonight, that in the hearing of the good news of the gospel of a risen Savior, that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Lord, stir in their hearts. We give you this time. We praise you in it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now let's go tonight very quickly to our verses uh, to set the context tonight, and that's what we'll do. Uh, I want to look at our last verse first. We'll start with verse 28, and then we'll come back and look at the other verses, the preceding verses after that. And so again, to set the context, I'm going to jump down to this last verse that we're going to look at tonight, verse 28, and then after that, we'll move back and proceed through our verses. Now the last verse of our section tonight, verse 28, says this. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. A very simple verse. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, the event that we're going to study tonight, the Bible says, took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan. It says where John was baptizing. Now, understand, John the testifier, John the baptizer, is baptizing. The Bible says they're in this city of Bethany, near to this city of Bethany. The Bible says that city was across the Jordan. Now, I think it's important we need to understand tonight, this is not the Bethany that we are familiar with. It is not the Bethany where his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. They're on the edge of Jerusalem. No, this was a different Bethany. This Bethany was down out of Jerusalem. It was past Jericho, and it was across the Jordan River. That's what it says. It was across the Jordan River. It was a small town and insignificant town other than this one event. In fact, 200 years after this event, there's no record of this city ever existing again. And so it is this small, insignificant city there away from a little bit past Jericho across the Jordan River. Now with that context set, let's go back to our verses, beginning back in verse 19. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? The verse starts off and it says, this is the testimony of John. Now remember we have found in our study so far that that John the Baptist, John the testifier, actually came to testify to the Christ, to the Messiah, to Jesus our Lord. He came to give evidence and to bear witness to our Lord. And that is what he is doing here. Now again, I want you to notice this. Notice the word testimony. Over and over again, as we move through this gospel, we're going to see and we're going to hear the word testimony, testify, and witness. Now, when you hear those words, it sounds like a courtroom. And in a way, it is tonight. So understand, this is the testimony of John. It says, when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Now, I want you to see this. Evidently, the ministry of John the Baptist, John the testifier, was making such an impact and it was causing such a stir that it had gotten the attention of the Jewish leaders there in Jerusalem. And evidently that's what's going on here. In Matthew, it says that large crowds were flocking out to John. And so evidently there's quite the buzz. There's quite a stir going on. And so much so, such an impact that the Jewish leaders sent out this delegation. In response to that, here comes this delegation of priests, those that served in the temple, and Levites, those that served the priests, to find out who this guy was. Now, I want to point out something here, kind of a side note before we move on. Understand tonight, John was called and sent to testify to Christ. That is his mission. That is his job. And so understand, here is John. He is called and he's sent to testify to Christ. And that is all he is supposed to do. He is supposed to be faithful to that. And so I want you to see this tonight. So here he is out of sight in the middle of nowhere. Here he is out of the center of influence. He's miles away from Jerusalem. Here he is living in poverty and humility. And yet here he is and God is using him in a mighty way. Do you notice that? Do you see that? He's not there where all the things are going, where all the movers and shakers are. He's not there in some wealth, some status, some position. He's out in the middle of nowhere. And yet God is using him in a mighty way. Listen very carefully. If God has a mission for us, it may be in Jerusalem, the place of influence, but it just as well may be out in Bethany, and all we're supposed to do is be faithful. All we're supposed to do is be like him. We're supposed to be faithful. All right, moving on, verse 20. And he confessed. They said in verse 19, who are you? Verse 20, and he confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. The word confessed, it has an interesting meaning in the original language. It means to say the same thing. And so he confessed, he said the same thing. And he actually says he confessed twice here, I am not the Christ. 
Now, evidently, that was the real question. Uh, evidently, that's the question everybody wanted to know the answer to. And so he is clear. He is very pointed here. He is not ambiguous here. He says, I am not the Christ. Evidently, he says it more than one time. I am not the Christ. Now, starting here, we start to see this thing with the Jews. We start to see this thing, especially with the Jewish leaders. What, what are they doing? And it's going to be all the way through the gospel account. What do they want? What are they seeking? Are they looking for the Messiah? Are they truly looking for the Messiah? Now think about that for just a second. And I, and I was thinking about that this afternoon. After 400 years of silence, from the book of Malachi, after 400 years of silence, there is now a buzz. Do you understand that? Think about that. There is now a buzz and there's talk, and there's chatter, and something's going on. And now after these years of silence, there, there's something happening. And there's some folks saying, you know what, just maybe that guy out there, he's the Messiah. And there's some saying, I believe it is the Messiah. And there's some others saying, I'm not sure who it is. Maybe it's a, a prophet. Maybe it is the Messiah. And there's all this buzz, and it's all growing. And they sent a delegation. That doesn't seem to fit, does it? The Messiah, he may be out there. Let's get a committee together, take a vote, send out a delegation. They were Jews, they weren't Baptists, but it may be a lot like a Baptist. I like his shortness here. I like his shortness here. Verse 19, they say, who are you? Verse 20, guess what he says? I'm not the Christ. How's that? Who are you? I'm not the Christ. That's his answer. All right, verse 21. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Now, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it prophesies that one like Elijah would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. That's the prophecy there of that, of that book. And so many thought it would actually be Elijah. They thought, you know what, Elijah's going to come back right before the Messiah does. And so they asked the question, are you Elijah? Three words, I am not. Are you Elijah? I am not. And so they continue on and they say, are you the prophet? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, Moses spoke of a prophet that would come. Now it's actually talking about the Messiah but they don't understand. They, they think it's going to be another forerunner, somebody else to announce the Messiah. And so they ask the question, are, are you that one? Are you the, the prophet? Here's his best answer yet. No. It's what he says. Are you the, are you the prophet? You're the one Moses said that is coming? And he says, no. Verse 22. Then they said to him, who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? Now, in verse 22, they're going to quit leading the witness. They're going to quit asking and feeding him names. They're going to let him tell us. You tell us. Then who are you? I believe in verse 22, we see these people's hearts. And I, I don't want us to go so fast we miss that. I believe in verse 22, we see their true hearts. 
The Jews send them. They don't come themselves. That's crazy enough. They don't don't come themselves, but they send this delegation. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, the priests and the Levites, the ones that served in the house of God, the ones that performed the offerings and the sacrifices, the one that stood as the go-betweens between man and God, they say, tell us who you are. Notice this. So that we may report back and give an answer. To them, it was all about reporting back. To them, it was all about appeasing those Jews that sent them down there. And I'll just tell you right now, this is why I believe this. I believe if their, if their hearts were right, if they were actually looking for the promise, if they actually took God at his word, they wouldn't have said it was to go back. They wouldn't have said, I've got to run and tell somebody. They'd have said, are you my Christ? Are you my Savior? Are you my hope? And it wouldn't be to fulfill a duty. Well, can you tell us who you are? We've got to get back and give a report. Verse 23, tell us who you are. So he answers, verse 23, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. In verse 23, John the testifier, John the Baptist, gives an earth shattering report. He he speaks out and it's earth shattering news. He quotes to them Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. Now remember that is prophesying, that is telling of the forerunner that would come before the Messiah. And so he quotes Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 and he says this, I am the one. That's what he says. I am the one. Listen tonight. Do you know how big that is? Do you see how huge that is? He is saying God is on the move. He is saying God is setting things in order. He is saying God's plan is unfolding right here and right now. I am the forerunner and the Messiah is soon behind me. Man, that's big. Man, that's huge. God is on the move. His plan is unfolding. I am the one, the forerunner. Now, I think it's worth seeing here, John the testifier, John the Baptist, notice this, he knew who he was and he was certain about his role. And that's something we notice about him all the way through this and, he, and he's, not, he's not shaking. He knew who he was and he was certain about his role. Now, let me tell you, I found this to be true. You will not move forward and you will not fulfill your mission until you can say the same. I want to say that again. I think that's a kind of a big deal. He understood who he was and he was certain about his role. And I'll tell you this, I don't believe you will move forward. You will not fulfill your mission. Oh, I'd like to be used. Oh, I'd like to be useful like that. You will not fulfill your mission until you can say the same. Listen very carefully. Do you know in Christ Jesus you're a new creation? 
Oh, I want to tell you about my past. I want to tell you why I'm disqualified. I want to tell you why nobody will listen to me. Do you know in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation? Do you understand in Jesus Christ, you're the redeemed of Calvary? Do you understand in Jesus Christ, you're not some outcast. You're a child of God. Do you understand in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven and you're restored and you are saved. Do you know who you are? Do you know your role? Do you know your mission? is to lead other people to be the same. Do you know that's in the Bible? (laughs) Do you know that's the need of our day? Listen to me. Did you know that's why you exist right now as a follower of Jesus Christ? Your job is to lead people to know who Jesus is, that in faith they would receive him, and in, in receiving him they would be saved. Let me tell you something now. It's free advice. Do you know why we live in a day when people are so discouraged? And good grief, you get around people and it's this is bad and that's bad and this is bad and they can't wait to tell you all the bad things. Do you want to know why people are so let down today? I thought life was going to be better than this and I had bigger plans than this and my dreams didn't work out and they're all let down. Do you know why people are so conflicted today? I don't know if I'm going to do this and I don't know if I'm going to do that. And they're all conflicted and they're all bound up. Listen, it's because they're not serving their mission. They're not fulfilling their role. They maybe not even know what it is. It's to lead people to Jesus Christ. That's really not even part of the sermon, but we ought to know it. John knew who he was and he knew his role. Verse 24. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. John the Apostle evidently has an issue with the Pharisees. He saw some things from the Pharisees. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. John the Apostle makes it very clear here. The poor-hearted Jews, the ones that didn't care enough to go themselves, the ones that wanted to know what's going on out there, the ones that sent the delegation, they are Pharisees. Pharisees, the ones that will oppose Christ all the way to his cross. He makes it clear they had been sent, make no mistake, by the Pharisees. Let me let you in on a little secret. Here's what I've come to believe of the Pharisees. And it's really grown over the last couple of years And in my studies the last couple of months, here's what I believe of the Pharisees. I don't think the Pharisees missed the Messiah. That's what we say. Well, they missed him. They didn't didn't recognize him. They, They missed the Messiah. Listen, I don't think they missed the Messiah. I don't think they wanted the Messiah. You see, I think it was too inconvenient for them. It was, it was too much for them. It was too costly for them. And they were fine without a Messiah. They were comfortable in their life without the Messiah. They were in no need of a Savior. Things were going great for them. Do you know the biggest hindrance today to folks trusting Jesus Christ, I believe, is that we're just the same today. And we got all the stuff in life and we got all the good things in life and you know we're just fine without him. There might be a bump in the road, but I'll smooth it out and I'm getting by without a savior. I'm comfortable with my sin. In fact, I kind of enjoy it. 
And you know what? If Jesus is Lord, if he's the Savior, it's too inconvenient for me. It's too inconvenient for me. It's too costly for us. I don't think they missed him. I don't think they wanted him. And that's what I think. All right, verse 25. They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing? If you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, why then are you baptizing? Verse 25, they said to him, why are you baptizing if you're not Elijah or the prophet or the Christ? Why are all these people out here? Why are they flocking out here to this desert place? Why are they out here in, the, in this Jordan River? Why are you baptizing? That's a, a sacred event. There's meaning to that. Why are you baptizing? When a Gentile converted to Judaism, they were baptized as a sign of their conversion. Did you know that? When there was a Gentile and they, and they saw the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they, they decided to convert to Judaism, they were baptized, and that was a sign of their conversion. Now, here's the problem going on right here. He's baptizing Jews. And they noticed that. He, how, how, who are you to do that, to baptize a Jew? Some sorry dog Gentile, they don't deserve this, but they've come and they've made their way. Who are you to baptize Jews? That's the problem. The Bible says, and we're going to talk about it more probably tomorrow night, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And let me explain what that means. His baptism was a sign that these people had become aware of their sin. And they'd become confronted with their sin, and they'd have become convicted of their sin, and their sin was right before their face, and they're in Jerusalem, and they, they don't have any peace, and they're convicted over their sin, and so they make their way out there. Listen, more than just knowing their sin, they're sorrowful over their sin. They're saddened over their sin, and they walk out there, and they say, oh, I wish I'd never done that. Oh, I wish I'd never gone there. If I could just take it back, and they're crushed under the guilt of their sin. And in true grief and in the burden of their sin, they repented. And the baptism was a sign of their repentance. Let me be clear of something tonight. Listen very carefully. I'm a preacher. I try to lead people to Christ. I believe their hopes in Christ. I've talked to folks, and I've talked to folks, and I've talked to some folks so I was blue in the face. Let me just tell you what I believe tonight. You will have no need for Christ until you see your sin. And I'll just tell you tonight, sermons, I don't care how many in a row there are. I don't care who preaches them. Sermons aren't going to do it. I'm going to tell you the promise of eternal life's not going to do it. Most folks don't even think they're going to die anyway. They think if you do, we're all going to the same place. The promise of eternal life's not going to do it. Listen, you will have no longing for Christ until your sin haunts you, until your sin is ever before you. You will have no desire for Jesus Christ until your sin breaks your heart and you hate your sin and you regret your sin and you're so ashamed of your sin and you wish you could take it back you wish you'd never done it and it burns you all the weight of your sin and then and only then does it drive us to the grace upon grace upon grace upon grace then and only then does that become invaluable to you
Then and only then do you find peace that lasts. Only then will you run to Jesus, grace in the flesh, grace without limit. When you're crushed under your sin, if you cry out to Jesus, he will forgive you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of all this unrighteousness. Make me new. Stained and filthy in my sin. And in grace and truth, he does. Nobody will reach for Jesus till they're convicted of their sin. Nobody will long for Jesus till they're convicted of their sin. We live in an age where churches say, you know what, we, we take pride and we're not going to preach about sin. Come on in here, we're not going to talk about sin. Listen, you won't have a need for the Savior for sin until you understand your sin. And then grace upon grace upon grace becomes everything. John, the testifier, knew who he was. He also knew who Jesus was as well. Listen to verse 26. John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. Remember the verse from a couple nights ago, he came into his own, they received him not. He came, they didn't know him. He says, you don't even know him, verse 26, verse 27. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He knew who he was, but he knew who Jesus was as well. Here's the question tonight, and we don't hear it very much. But here's the question tonight, and we're going to end with this. Have you dealt with your sin? Not covered it up. Not masked it somehow. Not tried to hide it. Not swept it away under a carpet somewhere not numbed it, not taking a bunch of stuff that you don't feel it anymore, not trying to excuse it, not trying to explain it away. Listen tonight, have you dealt with your sin? Have you taken it to Jesus? So I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. If you'll take it to him, he'll take it off of you. If you'll take it to him, he'll forgive you of that sin. The Bible says he will wash you and you'll be whiter than snow. And that guilt and that shame, he bore it himself so you won't have to bear it any longer. He will forgive you. He will redeem you. He will restore you. Luke 15, he'll receive you like you never left. Like you never left, he'll receive you. Have you taken your sin to Jesus? He will forgive you. Listen, there's no need to walk out of here under the burden of sin, under the guilt of sin. He's already paid for it. There's no need to say, I know what I've done. I know how terrible it is. Everybody here is looking at me. He's already paid for it. The Bible says if we'll confess it to him, if we'll repent and turn from it, he'll empower it. He will cleanse us, forgive us of all unrighteousness. Have you taken your sin to Jesus tonight? The good news is this. He is the hope for sinners. Our hope stands. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for the good news tonight. I'm thankful as, as we sit here and we're, we're thinking about our sin, we're reminiscing about our sin. How if we've got any sense, if we read your word, we ought to be sick of it. 
embarrassed of it. We know there's a Savior that came for sinners. There's a Savior that came and took my sin, even became my sin. Took it to the cross of Calvary and paid for it there. Remedied it there. Settled the account there at Calvary. And I can be forgiven. I can become the righteousness of Jesus. That I can wear your robes of righteousness. My sin's gone. Lord, I, I pray, first off, if there's somebody hearing this tonight that hasn't trusted you, and they're standing under the weight of the condemnation of that sin, the guilt, the shame of that sin, I pray tonight that in the hope of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, they would turn to you and they'd be forgiven as they trust you for their salvation. Lord, there's some folks that have carried it too long and it's pushed them down and they're, 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 they're struggling to find how they're even going to make it. Lord, I pray in the, in the hearing of this tonight, they would turn to you. They would be forgiven. Lord, I pray for us here that are believers tonight. I pray as we continue back into sin, as we drift away, that we understand that promise is for us and that 1 John 1, 9 is written to believers and that if we'll confess our sin to you, you're righteous and you're just and you're quick and you forgive us of all unrighteousness. Lord, let us leave our sin here tonight. Let us deal with it tonight. Let us leave it with you tonight. And then, Lord, I pray for both of us tonight as we've trusted you, as we've turned to you, as we've seen you. I pray that we would proclaim to a lost and hurting, sin-sick world there is a Savior, the hope of sinners. Lord, use us for that. Tonight we come and we just tell you we love you. Oh, I'm thankful for your grace upon grace that doesn't have a limit, your grace. Lord, help us to receive your grace. Help us to be agents of that grace. Lord, we praise you again. We thank you. And I, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time together, our service, with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, whoever you are, if you're here tonight, God loves you. And I can tell you that without, without, without even hesitancy. God loves you. And he loves you so much he can't stand to see the state you exist in and your sin. And he sent his only begotten son that he wouldn't just wipe it away, but he would become it and he would settle it himself in his own person, his own blood, his own life. The good news is he did that for us. And that's done, that's finished in his death, burial, and resurrection. The good news is if we'll turn to him and confess it, Repent in his power. If we'll profess him as Lord, we will be saved. The Bible says you shall be saved. If you're hearing it out and you've never done that, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as it's profound, but it's also as simple as that. Turn to Jesus. He'll forgive you. Maybe you're here and you're listening to this tonight somewhere and you've never done that. Do it tonight. Settle it tonight. We're gonna, we're gonna sing a hymn of invitation. If God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here on this Friday night. Maybe you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you know somebody that's, that's suffering under the weight of their sin. They've never trusted Christ. And you want to come in humility and lift them up in prayer. You come and pray at this altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask as we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You step out and I'll meet you here.